Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us from the Weekly Standard is Steve Hayes. And Steve, President Obama gave yet another uh, speech or addressed the issue of Ukraine today. But I get a sense that people aren't really, they don't feel like he's had much to say on what seem to be a couple of major uh, uh, international crises. No, he, he certainly hasn't. And, and his comments uh, Monday, midday were more the same. And, and that, I think, is, is its own problem. If you go out and you give another set of remarks, every time that people hear that the president's going to be speaking, they expect that he may try to change the dynamic of what's happening uh, in some appreciable way. And then he goes out, and, and as he did on Monday with Ukraine, he says basically nothing. I mean, you know, he said he was a little stronger in his language, pointing a finger at Russia, but not nearly as strong as Samantha Powell was in her remarks on Friday, and not nearly as strong as the British have been, the Canadians have been, virtually everybody else has been. And so you finish listening to a statement like that, and you just think, well, this is more of the same from the president. And if he's speaking about this crisis the same way that he spoke about it a week ago, the same way that he spoke about it a month ago, the same way that he spoke about it with the initial uh, invasion of Crimea, why would Vladimir Putin or anybody else alive think that he's going to respond in any different way? And, And the answer, I think, is that he's not. I was uh, doing some media with uh, Europe earlier today, and the, the, the guy who I've spoken in a interview by before said, well, this time you can't complain. It's a bunch of Euro weenies. This time it's the American weenies, too. And I, I, it's fascinating to see you know, countries like Denmark more ready to get tough than the United States of America. Yeah, it really is. I mean, you know, you had comments from, from David Cameron in in England that were much tougher uh, and, and seemed to suggest that it, in the light of uh, the shooting down of this Malaysian Airlines jet, that there, that there have to be uh, more serious consequences. And, you know, you've got a White House that keeps saying, well, we need to see, see Europe go first, in effect, um, when the Europeans have far more to lose. And the answer here, obviously, is for the president to, to not even threaten more consequences, actually to make to make Vladimir Putin see that he's serious about actual consequences um, and that we're serious about uh, our alliance with Ukrainians. And until he does that, I don't think there's any reason for anybody to believe the things that he that he says or, in this case, that he's just hinting at. If I were Vladimir Putin and I were watching you know the the inability of the West and the United States to get together. I would have no problem with having my agents on the ground destroying evidence, hiding the evidence, moving the missile launcher back across the border. I mean, seriously, what? Why would you? And isn't that the perfect metaphor for what happens, Steve, when you don't have American leadership? Yeah, a- absolutely. I mean, you know, the president in his in his comments uh, Monday said, "Well, you know, what we what we have here is." Uh, these Russian-backed separatists who are destroying the crime scene or however the president phrases it. And then he, then he posed the question. He said, why would they do that? And, and my thought when I heard him say that was, well, we know exactly why they're doing that. Why are you playing coy? The time is far past for asking rhetorical questions of Vladimir Putin. The time is to say, this is why they're doing it. Make a declarative statement. This is exactly what they're doing. They're doing it because they want to destroy evidence because they're complicit in the shoot-down of a passenger jet, and Vladimir Putin, who's been providing them money and weapons, and, and not only sort of tacitly supporting them, but, but openly and proudly supporting them, is responsible. Period. End of discussion. 
meanwhile, the president took a few minutes of his comments on Monday to also address uh, Israel and Gaza. And I, I have to say, I, I, I'm one, maybe I'm in the minority here, but I admire the restraint of the White House generally staying out of Israel's way and letting Israel do what Israel has declared it needs to do, which is to give deliver a meaningful setback to Gaza, to uh, Hamas's military uh, ability. Uh, are, are you comfortable with that, despite the uh, hiccup by John Kerry in between TV interviews on Sunday? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess if you judge them by the it could be worse standard, <laughs> um, then, then that's probably right. Um, and, and at this point, it's probably the best way to judge them. But look, I think what we saw in this in this hiccup, as you describe it, from John Kerry, is what's actually been happening. Um, you know, John Kerry is is taped on a hot mic, you know, sort of mocking the Israeli contention that this is a pinpoint operation because there have been these civilian deaths, and he's saying that in what he thinks are you know his private conversations, and then publicly saying something altogether quite different. So when Chris Wallace turns and asks John Kerry the question uh, about, you know, do you think that they haven't been, um, you know, avoiding civilian deaths? And John Kerry then comes out with a very strongly pro-Israel statement. I think you, you get part of the dilemma, part of the problem that certainly the Israeli leadership faces when it's dealing with the Obama administration is they're getting one thing uh, in public with public statements in support of what is, Israel's doing, I think largely for domestic political considerations, and getting something altogether different, or at least somewhat different, in the private discussions. And the, on, the, on a substantive level, the thing that was troubling about what John Kerry said is it seems to suggest that he doesn't understand the game here. I mean, the game here is not that the Israelis aren't being sufficiently um, discriminating in their selection of targets. The game here is that Hamas is deliberately firing from places where civilians are and where they know there will be a payoff uh, when the Israelis hit. So they're using things like schools and hospitals. This is an old trick. It's nothing new. But for John Kerry to, to, to sort of mock Israel's claims that, that these are pinpoint attacks suggests that either he doesn't know that, which I find hard to believe, or he's not willing to believe that, which is also hard to believe. You know, I'm wondering if uh, Israel isn't in a no-lose situation. As long as Hamas keeps turning down ceasefires, as long as Hamas keeps firing these rockets, which thanks to Iron Dome and thanks to the crummy technology of the uh, of Hamas you have done relatively little damage if Israel doesn't have to some degree a free hand to go in and really you know shut down some tunnels and destroy some arms and and set Hamas back for years with once again relatively speaking little blowback from the west i think that's true in the short term but i think there's there's a second consideration and it may arguably be the more important consideration. You, you have all of this taking place in the context of yet another extension that the West has granted Iran on these nuclear talks. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, people can talk about it as an extension and, and an extension of negotiations that which theoretically could lead to some sort of outcome and perhaps the, the delay of an Iranian nuke. I don't think that's realistic, I and mean, I don't think that's what's happening here. I think the president, President Obama's made it quite clear that he doesn't want Iran to go nuclear during his presidency, uh, and that may be the operative term. And I think if you're if you're Benjamin Netanyahu, one of the things you have to consider is um, you, you worry about um, 
criticism from the West in this ground operation um, against Hamas and, and the effect that that might have for the support of Western governments, European uh, and America in particular, if if Israel has to do something on Iran. And you're already seeing at least maybe on the fringes right now, but you're already seeing protests in places like Berlin and, and London and Paris, um, you know, using incredible language against against Israel, um, incredibly over-the-top anti-Semitic language. And, you know, I think it's too early to, to suggest that that's the expression of some broader sentiment, but it certainly is is worrisome. And if you think it's a harbinger of things to come, uh, I think it, it helps sort of frame the dilemma that Netanyahu faces as he thinks about what the next steps are uh, with respect to Hamas. In the broad picture, doesn't the fact that Benjamin Netanyahu feels comfortable pressing on into Gaza, once again, whether you agree or disagree, doesn't the fact that Vladimir Putin feels comfortable having his agents openly destroying evidence of this horrific crime, doesn't that show how they and and some parts of the rest of the world view uh, the uh, current strength of the presidency? Yes, I don't think there's any question. I mean, we've seen a decline of American power and influence um, you know, over the last six years, to be sure, but in particular over the last two, um, that I think, you know, people say it rivals uh, the, the the Carter presidency. I, mean, I think it, it may rival and surpass the Carter presidency. I mean, people just don't feel like they need to take into account potential American reaction because we've seen so many times when President Obama has either chosen to ignore a problem or to set aside a problem, or in some cases he's gotten involved rhetorically with no actual real long-term consequences or no consequences that would actually prove a deterrent to the kind of bad behavior that you're talking about. And I think this, the starkest example of that was with Syria, with the, the red line, and then he said it wasn't my red line, it was the world's red line, and then any use or, or even movement of chemical weapons would result in a strong U.S. response, and then we had uh, documented use of chemical weapons 14 different times. You have John Kerry giving a speech preparing the country for war, and Barack Obama, in effect, you know, seeming to go along with that, and then at the last second deciding to take the issue to Congress, uh, and take it to a Congress that he seems not to care about in any other context. So he only wanted to take it to Congress because I think he thought they would give him political cover, uh, or more likely they would constrain uh, his potential options, and I think that's exactly what happened. So you, you have these world actors looking at the president in that in that context, in, in the context of Syria and in so many other situations, and they just think that this guy isn't actually going to do anything. You know, you can say that, Steve, but I happen to know the White House has ordered a brand new shipment of hashtags, so they're going to have this thing covered, absolutely. Steve there Hayes, we thanks. go, pretty soon. <laughs> Steve Hayes, thanks so much for joining us here for the Weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast options. I'm your host, Michael Graham.